0: Kama nai ma hele kawe ma, no ka mea ka pai o ana, a ka uala naki la apuno. Pu ke ma. Toka mea ualo ii, ka pai o ana Aka uala ina la apono Aina mai kapua, aho e o keia. Maekapua, ka poe o kei aaita Ake a kua i koa i pula Maekapua a hiki ka ho penta Maekapua a hiki ka ho
1: Hey, aloha, kohala, and once again, it's uh, Kuka Kuka with Kalani, and you're listening to KNKR LP 96.1 FM, kohala, and it's 7.04 July 28th, and I want to welcome everyone for being here and listening in. I want to give a special shout out to Ron. Um, I got to meet Ron, he's an avid listener of KNKR, but he tells me he especially likes to listen when... Councilman Tim Richards is here. Hello, Tim. How are you doing? <laughs> Aloha,
2: Jeff. Thank you once again for the invitation.
1: Yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about getting an update on the, what's happening in the uh, county. But before we do that, i got a couple of announcements that I'd like to share. Oh, yeah. And, and again, you know, shout out to Ron. Thank you, Ron. I really appreciate uh, when listeners uh, stop <laughs> me wherever I am and they say, hey, I really <laughs> enjoy listening to your <laughs> program. Not me so much, but the people that's on it. But anyway, um, I got these announcements. Uh, number one, th- uh, both uh, regarding the pool. And this comes from uh, Gary Toketlin. He's kind of like the uh, head man there. Uh, 50 years of uh, building pools. Very highly skilled person. But he says, hey, you know what? We need a welder who knows how to uh, weld stainless steel. Because what, we, what he has, he has a cylinder trap. It's about a foot and a half tall by about six inches in uh, diameter. And that trap fits into this uh, eight-inch pipe, and the water flows through that trap and you know catches any debris before it, the water moves on to the pump and filters. So, uh, number one, if there's any stainless steel welder guys out there, uh, we'd really appreciate that. It will help us to uh, get the pool uh, up and running. And then the second thing is, the pump has been installed, uh, it's all hooked up, but we need a licensed electrician to wire the pool pump. Uh, The wires are there, everything's all set up. Just need somebody's license to connect those wires to, you know, make sure that uh, it's done by someone who's licensed. So the two things. One is we need a stainless steel uh, welder. Guy knows how to weld stainless steel. To uh, help us uh, w- uh, weld this uh, cylinder trap. And the second thing is any uh, licensed electricians out there, they like to cocoa their time in connecting the wires fr- the, from the pump to the power source so that the old Gary here can uh, turn the pump on and get it running. Now, uh, we'd really appreciate if you could call Gary to Catlin. Uh, his number is 808. Four nine four, four two, eight, four that's uh eight oh eight four nine four, four, two, eight, four, and uh we can get these two things up and running, and I would say, well, the next step is uh you know, turn the pool on and get the water flowing, and uh you know take it from there, see what else we gotta do, but pretty much we're getting uh very, very close having the pool open and thank you to all of you who uh, donated the money and you know we had uh, July 4th and little kids out there fishing and it was so neat you know these little kids would come up and they put a dollar in the donation jar you know hey that was big time you know there they was they're, co- they're contributing to the effort and that was really great really appreciate all of you who are in supporting the uh, koala pool Ah, the third thing is, you know, uh, we have a uh, direct line here, and if you have any questions or concerns uh, you want to ask our councilman here, uh, you can call 808-884-5657. That's the uh, KNKR uh, phone. That's 808-884-5657. Well, I guess that's about it. (laughs) So... I know you got a lot to tell <coughs> us, Jim, so I'm going to turn the time over to you. And uh, anyway, I know you've, uh, you've been busy. Yeah, it's, yeah.
2: B- it's been kind of a run these last couple of weeks. Yeah. So what do you got for us? Any uh, just, you know, Jeff, I was talking, you know how we always just talk story. And yeah. We were never really sure exactly where the conversation is going to go, but <coughs> <coughs> I was seeing just back from a meeting on the mainland for the county, and it's called National Association of Counties. And uh, this is a collection of the counties. In in our nation, we have 3,069 counties, and that's spread across, of course, 50 states. And this is a gathering of the group of all the elected, um, some places they call them commissioners, some places they call them councilmen. Uh, There's also, uh, they call some of them judges, and it just depends which jurisdiction you're in. Jurisdiction you're in. Um, anyway, this gathering, of course, the the big topic they were talking about is going forward, coming out of the pandemic, and what we're going to do. And there's a lot of funding coming out of Washington D.C. when it comes to infrastructure, and we here in our county in our state we're really challenged for that infrastructure. So I got to thinking about that when we're going to have this conversation, and thinking about what kind of infrastructure are we looking for our county, and this is specific to our county, maybe what we can do a little bit better. And so, Jeff, you and I started first talking about housing. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, and then we talked about housing and the availability of housing and the need for housing, and there's estimates and numbers all yeah. over. And We've had some of these conversations. For our housing needs on this island, um, I've seen estimates anywhere from ten to 15,000 units that we could use right now. And recently I was at another meeting concerning affordable housing, uh, and we were talking about that. I didn't realize this, but back in the 80s, there was a surplus of housing in our state. In the 80s? In the 80s. We had, they they were saying they had between, I think it was like 20,000 units statewide. They couldn't get people to rent them or buy them. They, they, They stood empty. We had that much surplus. And here we are, you know, 40 years later, and we are needing, I think statewide, they were talking about something like 25,000 units, 30,000 units minimum. And so what happened? Well, it came down to the regulatory process that has delayed approvals and delayed the ability to build that housing. And I had a uh, meeting with actually two people very well aware of Developing this affordable housing. And they said that has been the big problem. Now, we've talked about the financial side of affordable housing. And most of these numbers are pre pandemic. So, anybody listening to this, we mm, probably right, have to right. tack on a little bit. But going into the pandemic, a $400,000 house was about $200,000 in infrastructure, meaning land, water, sewer, services, you know, electricity. So, about like 50%? That. 50%, right. So our construction cost was only about 200000 Now, mm-hmm. I think you've seen in the um, the news that our median home prices now, I know for Oahu, is over a million dollars. And Owa- on Big Island, I think we're probably, I don't know, 700000 yep. yep. something like yep. that. So when we talk about housing and affordable housing, how are we going to build this? And how are people going to afford to pay for the, the, the mortgage on a house like that. And so that's a big thing that we're scratching our heads at. Now, in our state, we have, and this is what the legislature did, and I give them credit for this, there's a law called 201H. And under that law, what it does is it streamlines the process and the ability for developers to build this affordable housing. What we've seen in our county, though, it's gotten stuck because the 201H is supposed to streamline and reduce some of the requirements for building this housing. What I mean by the requirements, nothing for health and safety. That is an untouchable. But we're talking about rather than streets and uh sidewalks and gutters, we have paved roads with paths. You know, if you th- if you think in Waimea Ala O'Hia, you know it goes down by Pukalani stable and the Parker Ranch mm-hmm. racetrack. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. More like that, which is actually for Big Island. That's nice. That's nice. Rural. We're rural, and it makes sense. And personally, I prefer that. But that saves a lot of infrastructure money. And so one of the things that we've talked about is if land cost, land acquisition, is a big problem of affordable housing, then we need to support government. The county and the state both have vast tracts of land getting that land into the developers hands so they can build this affordable housing and this is where we're getting stuck it's really frustrating for i think everybody because we're not doing that and we're throwing up all these roadblocks under 201h the exemptions that are going to be requested come from the council but one of the problems we've seen in our county is housing has taken the position they need to approve a two hundred and one and application that's inaccurate Housing, all they they're supposed to do is accept the application, make sure it's complete, and then it goes on to fire, goes on to public works, goes on to planning, etc. And so we're getting a procedural problem, and that's what's holding us up. Jeff, when when we were kids, <laughs> back in the day, <clears throat> um, the population on this island was one third what it is today. When I was born here in Kapau, we had like 60,000 people on the island. Today we have over 200,000. Right. That's right. And so if we think that we're not going to, if we want to slow down development, then we're not going to be taking care of our people. And everybody's worried about our young people moving out of state. Well, if we don't have a house, why do we blame them? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So it's. And we see that every day. Every day. Every day. Like
1: uh, I had this uh, young man, nice fellow. Wife child said, Hey, Uncle, move. i am go and move. So, oh how come? I so I can't make it.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: he can't buy a house, he's you, living paycheck to paycheck.
2: Yeah. I so I gotta go. That's unfortunate. Yeah, and you know, I I know of a situation where um, trying to figure out what is affordable mm. and um, and when I mean that, real numbers, not theoretical, but what can a husband wife group afford on a mortgage, and what it pencils out to be is somewhere around, you know, 300, maybe 350,000. Isn't that uh, what the cost was for the second
1: uh, affordable housing, I guess I'll call it, next to the school? Mm-hmm. Th- didn't the, the price range, wasn't that the price range? Those w- the ones? way
2: they work that, oh that? is, it's called AMI, or Adjusted median Income. And uh, <coughs> What what that is saying is it's relative to what the median income, the middle income across your your in this case it'd be our county, and it's the middle value of income. It's not an average income, it's a median income, meaning in the center. And they do it as a percentage of that. Uh, AMI so 40 to 60 percent or 60 to 80 percent or 80 to 120 percent and so (coughs) when they're building this these these affordable housing units have to be either rented at the AMI and this is all federal stuff it comes out of HUD or sold at a certain rate and (coughs) um, that's fine (coughs) but in order to build this housing The developers either have to qualify for a bunch of federal support, some state support, or they have to be able to make it, make economic sense by somehow structuring this. And this is where we're getting stuck. The costs are so high here. Mm. And everybody keeps talking about what's our challenges for our next generation is the cost of living, which housing is one of those. Mm -hmm. And so there's no easy answer, but (coughs) um, we keep trying. And I think after going to these meetings, (coughs) I think what we're looking for is maybe we have to strengthen that 201H law to streamline it better or even make a county version of the 201H saying, if you do A, B, C, D, E, then you can proceed and go forward because if we delay this stuff too long, we end up having people just say giving up. And that's not good for the community.
1: No, um, I know a while, a while back, Kassinko uh, Club, the, the housing division, I forget what it's called. Uh, I know they were building homes on Oahu. Anyway, they created the Aineke subdivision. The lots were 30,000. And uh, they had like a lottery, you know, and call the call of people, could, you know, put their names in. But anyway, uh, I remember, uh, I, I'm not too sure about all of the, the, the details, but I remember a part of that, sub- or oh, you would buy the lot and you build your own home, or, you know, hire a contract or whatever. <coughs> the second phase, I think, they went and built. They had somebody, I think uh, builders or somebody build them. Anyway. So this first phase, they had something like uh, 10 lots or so, maybe a, a dozen. And these were set aside for people that qualified, and they would build their own home. And they had to put in so many hours per week, and, you know, X amount of hours. And mom and dad, uncle, auntie, cousins, neighbors, friends, whatever, could contribute to those hours and help this fellow build his home. And they hired one contractor. And his job was to make sure that everything was going according to code. Now, you know, Kohala or any (coughs) community, eh, he hit all kind of builders. You know, they've been pounding nails for all their lives. And, and today, you know, uh, when I drive through the subdivision, the homes are there. They're Mm -hmm. just as nice as any other home. And, but I can just imagine the costs mm-hmm. that the money that they saved through the you know free labor. I know you got to hire plumber, electrician. You know, got a code, but uh, just about everything else was uh,
2: contributed. <coughs> you know, you think that would lower costs quite no, a bit? Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Um, what you're talking about is what they refer to as self-help. Yeah, 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 self-help and right. um, Habitat for Humanity is still right. operating and working, and it actually works quite well. But, again, their funds are limited because they do that. They help subsidize the cost of the land, and they have some sort of metric that allows people to either apply or I don't know if it's a lottery or whatever the case may be, but and that does work. But, once again, what we're doing is we're subsidizing the cost of the land and the self-help, and also I know the rules work. I think they build like maybe 10 homes at once, and you start on home one, but the people who have Home One cannot move in until yeah, Home right, Ten right, is powered. Right, right. Yeah, and they have to, and, and that's a good way to manage it because, you know, okay, my house <laughs> is powered, so I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, show up. <laughs> <done>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but <there's laughs> wow. a, you cannot move in that's until right, that's House right. Ten I is that, yeah. And that actually does work. And um, the guy who's in charge, of it, a guy named Patrick Herney, um, they've done a really good job. But their their funding is limited, so it's not like they can do hundreds of units. Uh-huh. But they they keep working at it and. Oh, so
1: that that still exists. It still
2: exists, still oh, going. Yeah, right. well, that's uh, good to know. Yeah, Waikoloa, um, and Nui. Um, there's been some of the some of that self help out there, and that's actually working. And like you said, good, nice houses. Yeah, you know, it's just um, our costs here are high. Yeah, and we have to change that for our to keep our young people here. We have got to get them into housing.
1: Do you think there's hope on the horizon? Or? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I I wouldn't do this <laughs> stuff. You know, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to put you on a spot. No, you know, I, I think there is because if there wasn't, um, it would be kill fight, right? And yeah. Why would you try? Yeah. But I think there is, um, but we have to change our attitude too.
1: I like that. We've got to change our attitude. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. we have
2: this, you've heard people talk about being NIMBYs and not wanting to in the yeah, backyard. Yeah. You know, if we don't actually try to make a difference, mm-hmm. um our, our, as it stands now, our average age is going up. It's not because we're just all getting older. It's because we're not keeping young people. And that's exactly. why that average age is sliding up. You know
1: what I see that in? Organizations. Yep. Uh, there's not that many young people in no. the
2: organizations, it be even church groups. Yeah. It, agriculture is famous for that. Oh, really? Yeah, the average age of the farmers and ranchers today in Hawaii, Hawaii County, we're, we're bumping around 60. We should be bumping around forty right now, and um, but it's, it's because, and that's a whole another conversation we wow, can get into. That's but interesting. How do you get people into agriculture? And that's you know some if of If it's stuff. not happening, right? But people won't get into agriculture if they can't get on lands, mm-hmm. if they don't have access to water, and if they don't see a, a financial future for them and their family. That's right. Which, so th- th- there's not, you know, we talk about housing. We started with housing, but we can jump into to agriculture and food production, too. and But, again, what we're talking about is the overall economy. And that's why, as we are walking forward, there's there's bigger questions at hand if we truly want our county to be successful. So we're talking a little bit about ag.
1: Yeah. You know, I I was just uh, surfing the Internet. Mm-hmm. Oh, you get these alerts on your phone, yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah I got this alert. So I, I clicked on it. I was like, what is this? And there was uh, Mayor Victorino. You probably know this. And he's introducing uh, his his county director because he created an agri- ag department mm-hmm. for the county. And I thought, well, you got a state ag department, right? Right. And he, but he's... He's, talking, he's creating a county ag department and says they're going to do two things, advocacy for the far- uh, farmer and uh, grants. They're going to go after grants. Uh, what's your thoughts on that?
2: I, I don't really understand too well, much about it. First of all, we have a Department of Agriculture statewide. Right. The problem is I don't think we as a state give enough credit to agriculture. and You know me. Um, Jeff, I, agriculture is near and dear to my heart. Oh and yeah. I want, and I talk about the economy of agriculture, meaning we raise whatever it is. And it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, mushrooms or flowers or cucumbers or cabbage. It doesn't matter because agriculture is agriculture. But what we don't do is we don't give it the support I believe that we need to do it. So, you know, I was looking into agriculture and our state- budget is somewhere around 16 and a half. This is for the state government, somewhere around 16 and a half billion dollars annually. And there's, um, and that's rough numbers. The (laughs) department of agriculture, their budget is somewhere a little over $50 million a year. It's less than one third of 1% of our state budget. So how are we going to really go forward? if we're not giving agriculture the support it needs. And this has been a question I've had. Now I understand what Mayor is trying to do as far as support agriculture, and I commend that. But again, we're creating more government, and I'm not sure that's sufficient. More bureaucracy. bureaucracy. What I think we should do is support at the state level and have county outreach at the state level. And then... Actually, support the Department of Agriculture at a much higher level, so it actually do the projects that we need to support agriculture. You know, everybody talks about wanting food reliance, food security, but then we don't help. We talk about it. We talk about it. That's about it. I think
1: uh, I heard somebody say something like, uh, "Yeah, uh, this is a, a, a while way back." They said, "Yeah, during the election cycle, we talk about it." And everybody's all jazzed about it. It's a priority, and then after the election, oh, we forget about it. Uh, and <laughs>
2: yeah. th- that's, I.
1: For but do, a, I mean, you don't. You'll never stop talking no, about. I, it. You're I, always talking about. I always
2: talking about agriculture, yeah. because I, a society, needs its food production, and the co- the pandemic taught us our challenges as far as delivering food to ourselves. Now, I don't think we're going to be 100% food Mm -hmm. self-reliant in the near future, but we can at least hit 50%. Right now we're importing 90%. And I'm, you know, me, Jeff, I'm always talking numbers. National average numbers of food consumption, and this is stuff that you actually put on the kitchen table before you start cooking, Uh not actually what you're consuming, but on average it's somewhere around five pounds per person per day. And that includes, you know, you're trimming <laughs> off of the well, you know, you, you take no, your Oh that's pretty cool. You, you got it you down. Know, to yeah. the pond. <laughs> and and this is a general, so it, it puts it in scale, but for the big island, two hundred thousand people, Whoa, five yeah. pounds, we're talking a million pounds of food a day. A day. And I help you know, people say that's a thousand farmers producing a thousand pounds of food every day. So, you that's know, so interesting it, way to uh, uh it know, puts it in scale. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's a lot. It, yeah, it's a lot. And so when you start playing with numbers and looking what we need to do to actually support ourselves, this is where we start really having to figure out <clears throat> how we're going to do it going forward. I told you I was at that meeting in um, on the mainland, and we were talking about agriculture. We are talking about water in the Colorado River and what the Colorado River is doing as far as that water resource to help agriculture, and especially for California, because that's a huge mm-hmm. ag state. And I, uh, and what the impacts of that western region drought is doing on the potential for food production going forward. And people are trying to make decisions on how we're going to manage this resource because the estimates they gave, according to what they were giving us, they made the, all these estimates and promises on the best of the best of the best years. And you don't plan when everything's the best. You plan when it's at, at you know, very least moderate. So they're running into trouble because they've over allocated water. Wow. They're allocating water that really doesn't exist. And so now they're having to go back and trying to figure out what to do with that. Big Island, we're different. We actually have quite a bit of water resource here. What we have to do is collectively get together. And help each other out to manage that resource, and that's you know part of the conversations we're going on here in Kohala. We're talking about the water. We're right. Talking right. About, I've, about. I've seen articles yeah, about it. the Kohala ditch, and it's more than just a ditch. It's actually stewarding the whole resource because there's many resources that we can collectively put together.
1: I wonder if you could just uh, you know, We're going to take a break. I want to come back. I just want to take maybe a couple minutes, somebody, because sure. we were talking about. So he just asked asking me about access. And, uh, you know, we got into the same with and Cook uh, lawsuit and all that. But the state also entered into that same lawsuit. But it was, yeah, hmm. it was regarding the ditch. And they were uh, contending with and Cook uh, over the ditch. And I remember the state attorney saying, oh, you may own the ditch, but you don't own the water in the ditch. I didn't really understand. That was a, my kuleana. You know, we were involved with something else. But later on, when we come back, I wonder if you could just talk real briefly talk about, that. about the history of the ditch. Because uh, these people asked me about it. I don't really know. You know, I know a little bit, but not that much. We'll be right back. Back here with uh constant Richards. that was Kahua uh, from where <laughs> 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 for <real>. yeah <laughs> yeah, for real, <laughs> but anyway, uh yeah, before we left, we were briefly touched upon the uh Kohala ditch, yeah, and if you could just give us a real short, brief history uh,
2: the the Ditch, and you know to me it's kind of a <coughs> barometer lifeline of Kohala. I know every time I've come down the hill, and you come down Javi Hill or over at Kindersley, as you drive over the ditch, always look into it, just make sure water's flowing. And maybe that's just me from small kid days doing that, whatever. It always made me feel a certain level of comfort. But the ditch obviously was put in back plantation days. And I think the completion date was somewhere around 1910. I'm forgetting my dates exactly. Uh, I think it was about 10, maybe a little bit after that. Um. So the ditch has been around for 100 years. And as it was explained to me, initially it was engineered to handle up to 75 million gallons of water a day, which is a huge amount it's of water. It's And that's taking probably as much as it could out of the valleys. Since uh, the, I think probably an average production for that ditch throughout the years was probably around 35 million gallons a day, something like that since the closing of the plantation back in the early 70s and the ditch continued to run, and we've used it for a lot of different things, um, the production of that, I'm sure, dropped lower than that. Uh, and recently in the last 10 or 15 years, it was probably somewhere between 5 and 10 million gallons a, a day coming through the ditch. And the reason for that is because the maintenance of all the access points was let go, meaning some were being maintained but not everything because, again, the volume was not needed, so people were not maintaining it like they were in the past. It is a exceedingly valuable resource for Kohala as a whole. And, you know, when we talk about water, we got to talk about the use of water and, the, and truly the management and stewardship of water. And what does that... Allow us to do. It starts way inside, um, actually back in Honokani, Nui, and comes out through Polulu and then into the lands from Polulu all the way out to uh, Kokoiki. And we have a rain shadow band that starts probably with 100 plus inches a year on the lands near Polulu all the way out to Kokuiki, which is probably. 15 inches something like that and back plantation days you can think about what um, they were trying to accomplish by probably 25,000 acres maybe 30,000 acres under cultivation and trying to get consistent growth by using a lot of water Mm -hmm. coming forward as we have more diversified agriculture in the district that ditch can play a key component into this and you know (laughs) Jeff you and I talk about all these things we talked about housing. We're talking about food. We talk about water, which plays back into agriculture, which plays back into food. And so, so all this stuff is tied together. I've long talked about that economy of agriculture. And in order to produce what we're talking about, and you know, we talked about this island needing about a million pounds of food a day. Right,
3: right.
2: In agriculture, and, and again, we have to talk rough numbers any acre of land annually will can, for crops will produce anywhere from five to 20,000 pounds, depending on the crop, of food a year. So when we start scripting out, you know, we can take a number. We can take 5,000, be conservative, 10,000 mm-hmm. pounds. Um, but if you have 1,000 acres at 10,000 pounds per acre, you know, that's 10 million pounds of food. So 1,000 acres at 10,000 pounds, gives us 10 million pounds of food. Okay, that's enough for 10 days for the big island. So that starts putting it into scale of what we're going to have to do if we want to be food self-reliant. And, of course, we won't be consistent unless we have consistent moisture, which comes down to irrigation, which, again, gets back to a water source like the Kohala Ditch. Now, we've been having meetings here in Kohala and looking, seeking the way forward with water for everybody. Because this is a water resource, and water in the state of Hawaii is a public trust. This belongs to everybody. And so managing that trust for the benefit of everybody, how do we do that going forward? And as I mentioned you know, at the start of this conversation, there's infrastructure money coming out of Washington, D.C. that we are trying to tap into to help build the infrastructure cost for agriculture so we collectively can all do better meaning we will have more people being able to get into agriculture and stay in agriculture for a lifestyle for a profession and because you know part of our society needs that the thing is it's more than just the water we have to have the land access and all that and so like i said jeff we're never sure where these conversations are going to go when we start Mm -hmm. them But th- all of this stuff is tied together. Yeah, they're all connected. Yeah, and we talk about housing. One of the problems we have with housing and agriculture is some of our state leases don't allow people to live on the land, only farm it. But then we have an a ag security issue that if they're not living on their land, they lose part of their crop. So yeah. we have to uh, change something. Uh, that's the part p- of a problem, too. Yeah, and it is, especially Puna side. And there's yeah. been some interesting technology to help us, but there's not... A- everything has many facets that we have to think about. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's the
1: call of ditch. Uh, but, uh, do you, but I don't, I don't. Do you foresee that
2: coming into play? A ditch itself?
3: Or
1: yes. Is that,
2: oh yeah. I do. I do. I think oh. we can get it done because one of the the holdups in the past was there wasn't a structure that would allow. Public money to be used to fix the ditch. There is a structure that was put in place about three years ago, three plus years ago now, as a, a true water cooperative that allows uh, public monies to be used to go forward. That the question is how we're going to manage that, and that's these conversations we're having right now to get water back in the ditch and um, have the structure in a true federally recognized type of water cooperative. Where funding can come into that and help support that infrastructure. That's fantastic. I mean to uh, to re-establish that
1: that resource, right. you know, It's like
2: wow. And you know, people have raised a concern. Well, you know, what about? It, are you going to take all the flow out of the rivers and streams? Absolutely not. This doesn't take water from the, the streams, it, does it? it? used to, yeah. And you say, like I said, it used to be all encompassing, but you know, there's no reason to. It can take a small part, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but we're not talking about taking everything. We're talking about taking some and then keeping some for the environment, you know, for the, the stream uh, and the... Um I mean, w- is this historically, this was part of the ditch? Um, yeah, yeah they're, they're historically part of the ditch. The ditch, you know, back in the old days, they took as much water as they could oh, yeah, bring okay, out from everything. Yeah, yeah. But now we've learned a lot and yeah. we been sensitive. And I've seen some of the, um, the diversion dams no exaggeration these dams are maybe a foot tall we're not talking about taking a, all of oh it. yeah okay you know, i remember there's a lot some of stuff that, yeah. that goes over it and right. so but we have to be mindful when we plan for the future and, and having the conversations with everybody so there's an understanding of what we try to do collectively for the benefit of everyone because again public trust there is water that we share and st- when we're talking about this, I always start with, okay, nobody get territorial. There's plenty to share, but we have to figure out how we're going to do it so it rec- recognizes everybody's needs. Interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, um, Mayor Roth had a sustainability workshop, and his guests, his uh, keynote speaker was Naino Thompson. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I listen to this guy. And know talked about his good friend. I think his name was Lacey Veach. He was an astronaut, Hawaiian astronaut, mm. uh, Ponoho, grad boy. And uh, he and Nainoa became very good friends. In fact, I think on his last journey in the stars, uh, Lacey uh, took a Hawaiian ad with him. Hmm. And as this ad is floating, yeah, <laughs> it, through the window, there's a the big island. Wow. And he takes a picture of the ads floating, and in the back is a big island. But Nainoa, he said... Um, I thought something pretty profound, and this is what his friend he says: "You cannot protect something that you don't understand." Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is <coughs> understanding what you just explained. Yeah? A little bit about the history, right. a little bit about the water resource is uh, there's there's lots to share, and you know I think it takes away the uh, the fear of not enough,
2: you know. Yeah, a- and <coughs> I worry about well. Through understanding, I think you're right. I think we start to relax a little bit, and then can better think about looking for that way forward. Yeah, because not knowing what we're dealing with is can be a little bit paralyzing. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, I'm. You know, you talk about. You ask me, am I optimistic? I always tell really? people, I'm thinking. Yeah. If you're from agriculture, and the guy's listening on right now, if you're from agriculture, you are inherently op- optimistic. you got to be. You gotta be <laughs> because you're either optimistic or suicidal, one of the two, because <laughs> um, agriculture is hard. is tough. And irrigation helps relieve one of those stresses. Being able to make things work relieves that stress. And so you have to be optimistic. And so I'm, I'm inherently optimistic. And for agriculture... I firmly believe we can do it, but it's not going to happen. We have to help guide it to make it happen. And, you know, think back plantation days, Jeff. You go to Hilo, you had all, you know, Caterpillar dealers, you had... Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. all, all the... All those other you know, All, all the support yeah. Yeah. businesses. We will only have those if we have a critical mass that supports them. And when you support those businesses, your overall cost of your business goes down because you have a critical mass of support structure. And if we don't have that critical mass, then we're going to be, our cost of productions will be higher. So again, it all ties back into the the synergy between everything. And, um, uh, big Island, we have that opportunity to do it with agriculture. We really do. And I firmly believe that. And that's why I keep thinking about what we can do to, enhance that part of it is housing part of it is keeping the young people here we got to give them opportunity one of the things we can do is help get that whole agricultural economy better it's okay now but we can make it better
1: well you know what's really interesting uh, is uh sitting here listening to you and um uh, yeah when i was living in makapawa I used to, uh, I had two acres, and I, I would grow cucumbers and string beans and sweet corn and taro and zucchinis, you know. And I thought, uh, yeah, I think I want to be a farmer. It's too hard. <laughs> 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 well, you know, <coughs> it's hard, man. It's tough. My, wa- my wife says, oh, wake up, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, when I'm talking to
2: you, it's like,
1: I see how it all fits in. Mm-hmm. It's important.
2: It is, and we can actually make a good standard of living in agriculture if we support agriculture. And when I say support it, I'm talking sure government level, but community has to support it too. You know, the um, people forget that agriculture starts early, goes late. Sometimes there's noise. Sometimes there's dust. Sometimes there's odors, but that's agriculture, and. Probably the biggest problems we see is at that, that urban-rural uh, mm-hmm. interface where you have houses next to ongoing agriculture. And then we get complaints. Um, and there's nothing wrong. It's just that's what agriculture is. Yeah.
1: Wow, well, thank you for that uh, little bit of history of the uh, Kohala Ditch. Yeah. Because uh, I know there's people listening. And I, I told them I'd to ask you that question
2: yeah it, it's um, and it's a it's a great resource, and I think we can do even a better job managing that. <clears throat> and maybe we don't do it the way we used to. rather than having an open ditch which is inefficient, mm-hmm. we have a, a pipeline which is way more efficient. and I don't know, I know it's been calculated, but how many gallons of water seeped out through the ditch through the ditch? So if you put it in a, you know, I don't know, 24-inch or 30-inch pipeline, the efficiency goes way up. The amount of water that we would need to deliver that however many gallons we decide on the other end goes way down because we don't have that loss throughout the whole day. So, you know, you put technology into it. Where would the water come from? Um, You mean for the ditch? Yeah. I I would think um, it would come from, again, the valleys. Which which come from inside the valleys? uh, but not entirely. It may come up from, because there are other resources along the way. And part of the conversation we had at a public meeting tonight was talking about looking at this as a, uh, a system, not as a single source, but as a system where we have, you know, some water tunnels here, maybe a well here. We all... We all contribute into managing the system as a whole so everybody can benefit from that system. And then we start building the capacity of what we're producing, and then you, know, you attract more farmers, younger age, that can produce something, make a good standard of living, create that economy. A lot of things could happen.
1: Um, I remember, I don't know, a year ago or so, uh, they got a two million dollar grant to do a water study in Kohala, and I was still talking to this fellow. and He said, "Oh, I never heard back. Uh, I don't know if they had a follow up meeting or they presented the findings." But supposedly, uh, he was telling me that they uh, th- they did a water study of Kohala and they mm-hmm. found a lot of
2: sources. There are springs and all kinds. <coughs> of springs, of that. water tunnels, uh, stream diversions—all that—and so we we have we're. We're very lucky here, on this side. We have that, and we also have lands that are very farmable. You know, farming and ranching, we can do all that stuff. But we need to have the infrastructure to support that part. Of this is is um, irrigation that like we've been talking about? But we also have to be able to get those commodities to the market, right? And so that comes down to transportation. Remember when Cliff Suji was in yeah, the house? I Cliff yeah, he was Hilo Yeah, Hilo. And he worked really hard to get that shipping infrastructure at the ports, both seaports and airports to have, you know, whatever it would be, a a warehouse. So people bringing in their tomatoes or flowers or whatever, there's some place to put them out of the hot sun before they go on to the transportation. And again, this is something that we need to be supportive as a community. So we can do that biosecurity, all that comes through these facilities. But if we do that, then I really think we can ignite Big Island going forward.
1: Oh, interesting. Years, years ago, my brother, my oldest brother, um, I think it was his classmate or something, had moved to uh, Kona. And this guy had planted a uh, shower wheel avocados. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of them. And they were trying to break into the mainland market, which, you know, of course... The California growers were resisting that. But the product was so good that the people, because of the, the size of the yep. wheel, made it affordable. Yep. You know, whatever happened,
2: I, I th- it worked. Huh? It worked. <laughs> the The project in the county supported this. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And the net return back to the Hawaii avocado farmer was. The net return now was twice what they were getting by just selling here. But it was seasonal, (coughs) meaning that had to happen Uh, before Mexico and Southern California came online. So there's a window of something like three or four months where they made choke money. So why don't we expand on that? Why don't we increase the number of avocado farmers? We've been expanding. We've got a real good Ulu cooperative on this island. Why don't we expand more? You know, we talked. We started this conversation a little bit by talking about Maui and their Department of Agriculture. Right. This stuff is coming under our county research and development R and D, um, and there is a guy there, <clears throat> Glenn Sacco, that has helped facilitate that. That was a proof of concept, proof of capability. It worked. Okay, so now what do we need to do? We need to take the next step. We need to expand on that. And for me, this is where the Department of Agriculture, the State Department of Ag, should be coming in and helping us bolster that up. Our economy in our state is about $95 billion plus minus. You know, again, not exactly sure how to read that through the pandemic, but of that, approaching 1%, which is um, somewhere probably around $800 million, is agriculture. And so, let's capitalize on this. Let's do something because if we can export that, that is money coming into our economy that oh is yeah. fresh, you know. Yeah. And so, these are things that we can do, but it's going to take investment, and we're going to need, in the way that things set up. To me, this is where government should step in, help support, get things up and running, and then back out of it. So, and let like it. Like you say, create own. the infrastructure yep. and the support yep. and all of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, then, uh, well, when I think back to this guy, you know, like years ago, and now you're telling me, uh, uh, that was his, kind of like his dream of being able to sell the product on the mainland, especially in California, where there's a huge demand for it. Huge? Yeah.
2: There's, I got a friend in Hilo. I mean it
1: makes, like, me almost think, like, oh, maybe I should, you know. Get into the avocado business. <laughs>
2: well, but it's all <laughs> series kind, Jeff. What if we had five or 10 farmers out here in Kohala? Yeah. The stuff grows like crazy over here. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's almost like a weed sometimes. Why not? <laughs> or even Ulu. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Eric Tonoy, Greenpoint Nursery, is a friend of mine in Hilo side. They export cut flowers. They do very well. Why don't we expand that? You know, and one of the things that um, they're running into is they're starting to see the end of some of these leases that, that they've had for 50 years. Why isn't our state clamoring to renew them, to keep these guys going Yeah, help keep them in business. It? No, they're saying, well, you know, maybe we should, you know, terminate your lease and let someone else try. I, that impacts your economy. Why would we do that?
1: I, uh, As a veteran, they were doing this uh, small business association workshops that I went to. Take advantage, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And their guest speaker was this uh, couple that lived in Pune, and what they, they did was they grew queen bees, <laughs> and they were voted, you know, the number one small business uh, of the year. And these guys, and you know, I mean, they're growing queen bees.
2: You know, you know how big uh, an industry that is on this island? Ah, uh, no, forty million dollars a year. We are the number one queen breeders in the world. Wow. I guess at that time, you know, they introduced them and they presented their their thing, but I don't remember numbers. Uh, But that's what they grew, was queen bees. We are the number one export, we're the number one producer of queen bees because we have the right climate. And relatively speaking, from a biosecurity standpoint, we're quite clean. And so, no, it's a huge business opportunity here because... Um, most of it's done on the Kona side. The winds are right, the temperatures are right, the humidity's right, and so it's a huge business in Kona. Huge business. I, there
1: must be. Uh, I'm sure there is expos or anything where uh, Big Island farmers or you know, like they have the orchid mm-hmm. uh, expo now in, in in Hilo, and all these orchid growers they bring their plants and whatnot. There must be something that they do. The queen
2: bee, no, fair? no, 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 just agriculture. And w- we used that. to, oh, yeah, we used to, but it's not like you know, we had the farm fair, yeah, yeah, that, that kind yeah, right. of okay. gotten kind of quiet. But you know, even FFA, we're not going to get there unless we have yeah. young farmers. Yeah. We've got a good guy here, in we've got a really good yeah, situation um, Dino, I'll climb up Dino. We, we, um, we have oh, back in the heyday, we probably had 30 chapters throughout the state. During the worst of the worst, I think we dropped down to four, and now I think we're up to nine chapters. Right so, on. So, you know, and David Fuertes has been working hard on that. Oh. And. Um, that was Kohala. the biggest
1: show in town. Oh. FFA. It, yeah.
2: It, and and so we can do it because FFA, uh, it's not just about farming, it's about leadership training. And people that go through the program, they learn a lot more than just about agriculture. They learn about business. They learn about leadership. They learn about um, conducting meetings and all that, so great program, and anything we can do to support that, we should. Yeah, I know the,
1: uh, I think his name is uh, Dean, S- or oh, Dean Snelling, mm-hmm. uh, local boy yep. from Kohala, Yeah, Right, and his mother was Jeanette, S- or is Jeanette yeah, Snelling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when the mom, she was FFA, yeah. and I remember uh, I got invited to the annual banquet, Kohala mm-hmm. Cafeteria. I don't know why I, but I oh well I was Hawaiian Civic Club, I was with Hawaiian Civic Club. And she's doing a presentation and her presentation was raising parakeets. And this was years ago and she said and she was yeah, I made eight thousand dollars and I thought, Well that's a lot of money. <laughs> I said, <laughs> Eight thousand dollars? This kid made eight thousand dollars raising parakeets and that was his mom, you know. F F A. Yep. Yeah. And here he is, you know, he's the farm
2: guy down at uh, Koala High? We have an opportunity ahead we of us. We've got people. we got people. You know, Koala, we have a huge opportunity ahead of us. But what we have to do is we have to embrace it and, as a community, support it. And I don't mean financially. I mean we have to support it and get out and be proud of the fact that we are striving towards food, self-reliance, security, whatever. However you want to characterize it. Yeah. But increase what we are producing here.
1: Well, a- after tonight, listening to you, yeah, uh, I'm more of an ocean guy. But after listening to you, you know, it's going to pique my interest. Like, wow, there's opportunity. There is. You know, we have the land, we have the water, we have the resources. Just how we're going to just put
2: everything together. We have the people too. Yeah, we have the people that have the interest in it as well. Yeah. And so, what we have to do is be sure we set the stage so people can get into it, learn it, appreciate it, and then want to do it.
1: Right on, Tim. Uh, anything else you want to talk about or we just we got like a few seconds left. <laughs> I just well, we talk about everything.
2: <laughs> you know, we we talked about agriculture, we talked about all that. Maybe another time we talk about energy because this island has a real potential that, for that, that'd be a
1: great topic. Economy yeah, of energy energy. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's a big, huge
2: topic. Yeah, yeah, especially going forward in the future. Oh yeah, and we we talk about all the concerns for fossil fuel and the impacts on the environment, and I I get it, I agree. But we're here because of the fossil fuel, not in spite of it. So as we transition away, we just need to plan to transition to better things. So oh. well, let's talk about that next time.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, dropping in. I always appreciated. Always good fun, Jeff. Yeah, and uh, you know I'm thankful to Amy. She uh, always keeps me, uh, Jeff. You know Tim's coming on this date, yep. so you know be prepared. And I go, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, and so I guess she keeps your calendar, and yep. she looks like she's keeping my calendar.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and we can't have a we can't have a radio talk show without saying Amy at least once. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, aloha, Amy. And anyway, Tim, I want you to uh, thank you for being here and sharing all this uh, <laughs> wonderful history and information. And uh, Kohala, we'll see you next Thursday. Same time, same place. Um kuka kuka with Kalani. And aloha and be safe. malama pono. Aloha, everyone. Thank you.